worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Chad Dodson. Joining me again, my friend and yours, Bill Lack. How are you today, Bill? I'm pretty good. This is take two. Take two. We tried to do this uh, a couple days ago, and the uh, the interwebs weren't cooperating with us, and so... Uh, the gods were, were not with us. They were not with us, but uh, it gave us, in the meantime, it gives us, an, gives us another topic to talk about uh, your your favorite player, Brandon Phillips. We'll get into that in just one moment. But this is episode 155 of the Red Leg Nation Radio Podcast. Thanks for downloading it and listening to us. Uh, it's off-season, and there are some things going on here and there, and uh, I do expect it to be a very interesting off-season. I've said before that I think the single biggest element in whether the Reds are going to be, this uh, rebuilding process is going to be, uh, short or long might be whether or not they can get the Reds can get Devin Mesoraco back uh, as a catcher fully healthy and and we've all been skeptical as to whether or not that can happen but I think that if he could be a healthy catcher you've got an all star catcher in the middle of your lineup all of a sudden again and that really changes the outlook for this team well uh, Reds general manager Dick Williams this week uh, he was quoted and uh, about Devin and it really caused me to be less optimistic than I already was. Uh, his quote said to something to effect that we're, we're optimistic that Devin will open the season ready to catch, but, uh, you know, he's going to be on a schedule. We're going to probably prevent him from going out there and catching the first 14 games of the season, uh, some sort of a timeshare arrangement, make sure he's eased back in. The doctors said that really mid-January is when they'd be able to tell us with a lot more precision what the timetable looks like. And the reason why that quote, made me less than optimistic is that you know they had been insisting ever since the the surgeries last year that no reason he's not going to be back 2017 and there's no reason he won't be fully able to catch which again we were skeptical about that but uh, does, does this change what you feel uh, in terms of Devin Mazzarocco does it bum you out anymore than uh, or as much as it does me or is it pretty much what you expected well I think with Devin you just got to see you. I wouldn't count on anything. And I never have since he got hurt the first time. Um, you're going to get whatever you're going to get. And, and if you expect, if you're, if you plan for low expectations with low expectations in mind, anything you get above that is, is positive. The, the other part of that article that I I'm happy to see is that it where is where William says it's important that we prepare a contingency plan. So they're not waiting until spring training and going, oh, crap. You know, he's not going to be ready on opening day or, or, or he's only going to be able to catch two days a week or, or whatever the case may end up being. They're looking at this now and trying to figure out how they want to deal with it. And that, I think, is a positive for the from the front office. In terms of De- what you're going to get out of Devin, I, 
Well, maybe what you know what we need to do. We need to get him here on Red Leg Nation Radio <laughs> we, because that has always been the key to success for Devin Masaraka. Oh, it is. Before his uh, magical 2014 season, the year that he uh, had one of the top ten individual seasons for a Reds catcher ever, All Star. Uh, he did appear on Red Leg Nation Radio before the season to to discuss. And, uh, and before and before the season when he exploded in the minor leagues, I believe we had him on. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think that was the year. Um, I linked it in our, my piece about Devin Mezzarocco this week at redlegnation.com. If you go there and check it out, I linked both those uh, interviews that he did with uh, Bill for Red Leg Nation Radio. So we have been good luck for him. It might be time to reach back out to Devin and get him on here because we're certainly rooting for him. Uh, in terms of a contingency plan, let me just uh, back up to that for a moment. I think you're right. I think that it's a, uh, a good thing that the Reds are you know, not counting on Devin. It's a smart thing. It's maybe in some ways an obvious thing. Don't count on the guys missed two straight years, but I'm not sure exactly short of bringing in another catcher from somewhere. What the, what the Reds can do at, uh, in terms of a contingency plan, they've got Tucker Barnhart, who, you know, is a capable, uh, second catcher. We love Tucker and, uh, I'd love to see Tucker be a, a Reds catcher for the next 10, 12 years. I mean, he's, uh, he's a guy that, like we've said, he's going to make a lot of money in this league by, uh, if nothing short of a backup catcher at least. But the Reds don't have a whole lot in the minors right just yet ready to uh, – they did draft Tyler Stevenson a couple years ago, and he's had his own injury problems. Uh, they drafted Chris Oakey last year, but he's not ready. He was a college catcher. And so do you bring somebody in that can be a starter? Do you bring somebody in that can platoon with De- with uh, Tucker? And then what happens if – uh, Devin can catch. I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know the right way to handle that. I think that I'm sure those conversations are going on in the Reds front office, and they got smarter people than me there. But it's a really difficult situation for the organization because you do have this potential, you know, dynamite catcher here. He's shown that he's a legit player, and if their doctors are really saying that he's going to be fully healthy, well, okay, great. That's you know that that that's huge. Um, <laughs> but I, you know. Like you said, you can, never you should never count on Devin at this point. Uh, no fault of his own. He just he's he's had injury problems, <clears throat> so it's a that's a tough tough situation that could end up being a huge uh, golden situation for them if he were to come back. But you know, uh, what if he comes back fully able to hit and he just can't catch? Then what do you do? You know, you try to move him to the American League maybe to be a DH or something. Uh, so much uh, swirling around Devin, and I, and I don't know I don't know what the answer is. Uh, but it does look like he's not going to be ready for the beginning of the season. So I don't know. Do you, do you, well, you know, and, and I, I'll, I'll read another quote from the same article, this Mark Sheldon article uh, from from Allen or from Williams rather. It says we're optimistic he'll open the season ready to catch, but probably on some sort of schedule. Blah blah blah. Which is a uh, yeah, that's the quote you were using. And he, he also says he's seen Devin firsthand, Ray having down at the ballpark. He's down there every day. You know. Go home for a little bit. Rehab's going well. Timing is he had the surgery at a fairly compar- comparable time to last year. You know, the other thing the article talks about, it talks about some some free agent availability. Uh, they, they talk about uh, Giovanni Soto, uh, A.J. Ellis, Drew Brutera, uh, Jared, and I can never pronounce this guy's name, Salto Mag- Close, Salto Lamacchia. That's the one. Even mentioned uh, Donier Navarro and your old buddy Ryan Hannigan. Oh, now I see. I can handle that. Uh, of course, Ryan Hannigan and Tucker Barnhart are uh, similar in a lot of ways. I'm not sure if they're yeah, they're, they're, they're very they're very similar catchers. Yeah, 
good defensive guys, and but you're, you know you're not going to hang your hat on their offense. Yeah. But that might be the best that the Reds can hope for, find another good defensive guy to, to pair with Tucker in case uh, Devin can't make it. Because, you know, frankly, there aren't a lot of really good hitting catchers out there anywhere anyway. No other team has them, really, not very many. And so if you can get some guys that are really good defensively in this day and age, the way the offense is, you know, maybe. Maybe, maybe, that, maybe that can be passable, at least for the next couple of years as the Reds are rebuilding. Yeah, I, I think they can improve on Cabrera. Oh, I do too. I, oh, I think absolutely. I don't, you know, I'm not not a fully paid member of the of the Cabrera fan club, but um, but Tucker's good good enough, I think. And uh, you know, maybe I guess we're we all want this rebuild to get finished quickly. Okay, say Devin can't, and the Reds really aren't able to find any the next uh, starting catcher for the Reds just yet. They got a year or two before they're really going to be, you know, hoping to be playoff level competitive. And you hope the kid that was his name Stevenson. Yeah. You know, you hope he he gets healthy and progresses rapidly through the organization. Exactly. Yeah, they've got a couple of options. Him and, and Chris Oakey, the catcher they drafted out of Clemson last year. You know, maybe one of those guys uh, pans out by then. So yeah, you know, they're and Ch- Chad Wallach a catcher also. He is. He is, and um, I think he might have played been, been in the Arizona Fall League this year and did pretty well, unless I'm mistaken. Um, I thought that's what I read. But so yeah, if if Devin doesn't, if Devin comes back, I think it's great. If Devin's a full time catcher or can catch sixty percent of the game, I think it's great for the organization. It really helps in terms of the rebuild. If he doesn't, that is what it is, and the Reds do have some options going forward. Just two thousand seventeen may not be great uh, behind the plate, or we just make it the same thing we got with Tucker, which is adequate. Yeah, a little bit lo- less than you know, average offensively, but above average defensively. And you know what? There's a lot of teams that'd be thrilled with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to. It sort of sounds like we're uh, criticizing Tucker Barnhart when we when we say this, uh, and that's not my intention at all. I think we're both no, big we're fans. Big of fans of Tucker's here, and he's a he's a good friend of Red Lake Nation. Yeah, yeah. And and like I said, I'd love to see him be around. But you know, I'm just not sure he's the he's the guy that uh, if that you want starting, you know, 75 percent of your games. Um, but I'd love to see him in sort of a platoon situation with a with another good catcher somebody that could hit so yeah we'll see that's uh that's interesting comments from dick williams and, and and to that point um have you noticed that we're getting lots of quotes from dick williams <laughs> he's he's sort of telling us uh more than walt jockety ever did uh, his predecessor as general manager and i'm I've, i'm kind of i don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing maybe it's good to keep things close to the vest but it just seems like dick williams is much more open and accessible to reporters and uh, gives us a little bit more of an idea of what the Reds are, are doing than, than Walt Jock used to do. You think that's a good thing, or you think it's just uh, is what it is? Well, the other thing I think it may be is, I mean, he, you know, because Jockety's still in the organization. Yes. He, he may be showing the public that he is the captain of the ship now. No, oh, that's a good point. Uh, you know, and, and and let's be honest, he really isn't telling them anything. You know, he, he's not breaking the trust of anything. I mean, he's not giving them any information that, that isn't out there. Right. But you know, but you know, and we we already know that that we're seeing a change in the in the makeup and 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 uh, mental aspect of the mental dealings with the media and the public from the Reds front office over the course of the last few years. Anyway, uh, the the Q and A that we attended is is a huge example of that. Um, the the uh, there was an article somebody that I think you wrote in Red Leg Nation on, on the on the site about this uh, 
leadership seminar thing that they sent some of the minor league guys to. You know, whether whether that's a good idea or a bad idea or a, a, a just you know a way to spend some money, you know, it won't have any effect on the field at all. I don't have any idea, but it was it does show that the Reds front office is kind of changing the way of thinking. Yeah, th- yeah, I think that everything we've seen over the last year encourages me greatly that they're thinking outside the box. They're not doing things the way they've done uh, recently, and uh, whether that's good or bad, I guess we can argue. But in my opinion, it can't hurt, you know. Um, and it shows an open-mindedness that, uh, that they're going to need in order to bring this uh, this organization back to respectability on the field. Uh, well, just to shift uh, again to Dick Williams and what he's going to be trying to do in the offseason, we've been hopeful that he's going to be trying to move uh, Bill's favorite player, one young, spry second baseman named Brandon Phillips. And, of course, the Reds tried to trade him last offseason, and he rejected uh, rejected trades last year, proposed trades to Arizona and to Washington. And uh, John Morosi of Fox Sports had a tweet yesterday, the day before, that said Brandon Phillips is more willing than ever to trade his no trade clause. Uh, certainly more willing than last year. And uh, that that no trade clause that Brandon Phillips has, of course, is because he's uh, been with the uh, with the Reds for at least five years and been a big leaguer for at least 10 years, and if, if you do that, called 10 and 5 rights, then you've got a right to reject any, any trade anywhere. And, uh, you know, this is probably nothing, uh, there's no, no real news here necessarily, but uh, it's, it's a reason to be optimistic the Reds will be able to move him. Whether they can or not, I don't know. He did bounce back a little bit with a bat. Uh, but he's you know going to be 36 years old next year. His defense. Well, he bounced back. He bounced back from the second half to the first half. His his season this year was not as good as 2015. Right, right. But it wasn't as bad as it looked in the first half. It looked like it was going to be. Right. He played know. much better in the second half. And, and one, you mentioned the uh, the Q and A we had at, at Great American Ballpark uh, in September. Mm-hmm. One of the things they said was uh, when you <laughs> you kept asking him about Brandon Phillips uh, without mentioning his name. But one of the things they said was part of the reason for keeping him in the lineup was, hey, we're trying to you know let him build up some trade value so we can move him. As the sense that I got from that, and and I think he did that in the second half because he did play better offensively. He hit better. His defense uh, was miserable this year when you look at all the all the numbers. Um, and he just he's clearly lost a step. Uh, Although he still does make a, a great play occasionally. So, anyway, what do you think about that uh, possibility of moving Brandon Phillips? Well, before I say that, I have to. Uh, I just read something funny on CBS Sports in an article about the possibility of sending selling send Phillips somewhere, and they talked about him turning down the trade to Washington, and they said that really probably should make him Washington's MVP this year <laughs> because they signed Daniel Murphy. Yeah, yeah. Instead of playing Brandon Phillips. So that makes him the MVP of the uh, Washington Nationals because he didn't go there. No matter what you think of Brandon Phillips, if you're the biggest <laughs> Brandon Phillips fan in the world, <laughs> that's a win-win for the Nationals, no question. Uh, um, I've long been in favor of getting rid of Brandon Phillips. As it's well known. I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a big fan. Uh, I, I've been, we've talked about this ad nauseum. I mean, I'm not going to continue on and on about Um. But I think they have to, you know, as long as the Reds realize that they're going to have to pay some of this, four, I think it's $14 million they owe him this year. 14 yeah. There's, no, 14. there's nobody going to eat that whole salary and take Brandon Phillips, too. There's just no way. So, 
you know, they're going to have to eat some of that salary to, to get him off the roster, and and maybe more than fourteen million because some or somebody's going to have to give him some more money to give up that trade, uh, the no trade, you know, waive the no trade deal. Yeah, yeah, um, possibly. But you know, the, the thing about this year as, as opposed to last year was he didn't have a whole lot of assurance because there was a, I think, the fourteen million. Was that well? No, I guess I, don't, I guess it was a player option. Um, so that's so no, that's not true. But uh, yeah, he did bat two ninety one, three twenty on base percentage last year, uh, four sixteen, which is not great. But there are wor- there were worse hitting second basemen out there, not a lot, but there were some. And uh, there's been some speculation that teams like the Angels and the Dodgers and the Mets might be interested. They might need a second base, but a, t- a team that thinks they're kind of close and. Um, but his defensive war went into the negatives for the first time in his career. Really, man, that's not true. In 2006, it was in the negatives. But yeah, that was his first year with the Reds, though, wasn't it? I mean, his, last yeah, year, yeah. And I and and he had just moved over to second base, didn't he? When yeah. he came to the Reds, yeah. So, um, and 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 for the decade after that, m- mostly brilliant uh, defensively. Absolutely, in, absolutely. And you know, there are times, you know, there are times that he went out of his way. How how to put best put this? To make a play look be more difficult than it needed to be. Ah, he's making base. Uh, he's making baseball fun again, as uh, Bryce Harper said. Or being a hot dog. Ah, come on. It depends on your perspective, I guess. Yes, um, it does. <laughs> but, but he was good defensively for years. It looks like he's lost Absolutely. a step, lost a step or two now. But you know, the way I look at it is. The Reds cut bait with uh, with Joe Morgan, the greatest second baseman in history, uh, before he was 36 years old. And are we really going to let a 36 year old second baseman play for the Reds now? That's not named Joe Morgan. Um, well, it's a different game, though. You know, with the 10-5 rule, with the you know, with the guaranteed contracts. Hey, you know, it's it's. I'm not sure that's a, a valid comparison. No, I agree. I agree. Um, Morgan was a free agent and. Uh, and the Reds have tried. The Reds have tried to move him. Comparing anybody to Joe Morgan isn't really fair. You know, it brings back the old uh, Johnny Bench comparison. You know. Yeah. What uh, What Sparky say? I, I don't want to embarrass any other catcher by comparing him to Johnny. Bench. Yeah. Don't Don't embarrass Thurman Munson by comparing him to Johnny Bench. <laughs> right. Um. So, and it's not like the Reds haven't tried to trade him. I think the Reds have had the right idea on Brandon Phillips. They're between a rock and a hard place. Uh, they signed him to that big long extension uh, through age thirty six, which. Uh, you know, there's there's a good argument to be made just on the math that he has performed well enough on the field to have earned the amount he was paid. But uh, the the dollar amount is not the problem. The the number of years that they're committed to him because they it's it's time to move on. Uh, and we can go ahead and schedule his induction ceremony to the Reds Hall of Fame. But it's it's time to move on. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if he can uh, can get moved. Speaking of great defense, they announced those Gold Glove awards this year. Well, before we get off of uh, get off of the trading thing, okay. Uh, let's also be honest, and, and it, it, Zach Cozart needs to go too. Uh, yeah, I, I would, and I would take whatever I could get for Zach Cozart just to clear the spot. And there are reports that the the Mariners, who had uh, been in talks for Zach Cozart at the trade deadline, and they couldn't get it done, uh, still interested possibly. So you're right. I think, and, and we're talking about two guys that have been longtime Reds that have contributed a lot to this team, in, in Brandon Phillips and Zach Cozart, and. It's not something you say lightly, you know. We, uh, everybody likes no. Zach, Zach Cozart, but baseball's baseball, and uh, what's well, going to be a thirty-two, thirty-three-year-old shortstop uh, ne- next uh, year too, and with a bad knee, with a bad knee, who couldn't couldn't play 
heard it badly last year, or not this past year, two years ago, and then this past year really wasn't able to play a full season because of the knee. Although when he played, he played well. Uh, his defense was good. He hit reasonably well for a shortstop. And I like Zach Cozart, but there's this guy named uh, Jose Peraza who finally got a chance this year and uh, showed uh, at age 22 that uh, he's at least ready for a, a more extended look in the big leagues. Yeah, I think you got to move those guys if you're looking to, to move this organization forward. Of course, we've been saying that for months and months and months. The Reds have tried. The Reds understand that that's the right thing to do. They've just not been able to get it done yet. So hopefully something will open up on the market. But I'll, 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 I'll miss Cozart. Really tried to win. Sorry about that. Oh, you're playing some uh, – I thought you were playing a video for me there. I was – yeah, I was looking up <laughs> stuff. Yeah. yeah um, I hate when, I hate when they put they insert those videos into web pages. It makes oh, me crazy. The autoplay video, yeah, that, that causes me to click. Click that tab closed more often than not immediately. Um, can, can we move on to the gold gloves now? Absolutely. Because you got Brandon Phillips and Zach Kozar, but I was hoping Kozar would play a full year and would win his first gold glove because he's been so good defensively. He's never won one. Uh, he has been a finalist before. But we talked uh, on the podcast about the Reds having a couple of finalists for gold glove awards this year. You know, award season this year for the Reds, we didn't expect to be much fun. But uh, the Gold Gloves, Billy Hamilton in center field, Adam Duvall in left field were finalists for Gold Glove Awards at their respective positions. And the votes were tallied this week. And uh, is the system rigged, Bill? Well, I mean, I, mean, I know you're, you're heartbroken and, and you went into mourning. <laughs> um, but... You know, the, 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 the kid in Atlanta is a hell of a center fielder, too. He sure is. He sure um, is. You know, and, and and as I think we were talking about, I think it was talked about on the, when we talked about this on the on the page, it, it may have just come down to the, the amount of innings you played, you know, the amount of games you played. Yeah, in terms of center field, Ender Inciarte has won the center field gold glove. Atlanta's a young Brilliant center fielder. I mean, he's he's great defensively. I think that you, if you look at uh, uh, the defensive metrics, and they did base part of the uh, the uh, award on the defensive metrics, uh, NCRT and uh, Billy Hamilton are the top two. I think it was clearly the top two defensive center fielders. And, you know, it can't hurt that Billy didn't play really the last month of the – I mean, it couldn't have helped that he didn't play the last month of the season. And I hate that because, <laughs> you know, Billy is Billy. He's just uh, amazing with the glove and he's been a finalist before and, and didn't win it. Um, so I hate that in, in left field. I didn't give Adam Duvall a whole, much of a chance of winning in left field. And he didn't Starling Marte, Pittsburgh uh, pirates won his uh, second straight gold glove out there in left field. And Marte is good too. But if, if you look at the defensive metrics, which we've argued about wh how much to make of those anyway, but if you look at him, Duvall was actually a, bigger favorite to win the left field gold glove than uh, Billy Hamilton was. And, uh, and and played more innings and everything else. Yeah. I, you know, that, that really surprised me because it's cause again, that's why the eye test is what we've all said. The eye test is not a good way to judge defensive players. Um, not a great way anyway, because I watched Duvall out there and he was steady. He always made the play good arm, uh, good hands, never had any issues about there, but he didn't do anything that made you sit up and say, wow, what a great defensive player that guy is. You know, he didn't make any many highlight reel catches, but 
Um, but he he got robbed as well, so the Reds uh, are shut out. I, I think it's fair to say he got robbed. I, I, I'm not sure it's fair to say that Billy got robbed. I mean, what? when it's a close race, I, you know, it's like it's like a prize fight. You know, if if the fight's competitive in the last round and 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 the one guy finishes the last round and the other guy you know takes the last round off, who do you think is going to get the decision? What am I going to have to do to get you on the Billy Hamilton uh, fan club uh, list? Bill. Uh, I, I'm a fan. I'm just not a fanatic. You're starting to remind me of University of Kentucky basketball fans. Oh, gosh. Well, there are a lot of those that there are a lot of those that listen see, to us. You can't ever see any weakness in your in your, the team. You know what you're rooting for. You know, I, I'd like to see him play more than 119 games. You're asking a lot, Bill. I don't think I am. I remember a guy named Rose that used to play 155 or 160. No, 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 no way. I'll have to go back and look at the stats, but there's no way that can be true. You know, at least let him, you know, get him up there in the 145. You know, in 2014, he played 152 games. Yeah. And that's going to constantly be his, his, his downfall if he, if he doesn't find a way to stay healthy. And the problem is, is his build and his, and, and, and his game. It brings abuse on your body, you know, the running, the sliding, you know, banging off walls. I, I really do. I really do worry about his ability to stay on the field. He's not uh, giving me I mean, much it, reason for optimism there. In a much less dramatic fashion to the to the ball club, it, it, you know, and I think we've talked about this. It's kind of like Eric Davis. I mean, I, he's never going to be the impact player that Eric Davis was in terms of all around impact. You know, hitting, running, throwing. Uh, power you know all the all davis could do everything yeah but davis had the same problems with the ability to stay on, on the on the field you know we've uh just uh i guess a couple days ago i was going through and we're doing some final edits on this uh, book uh have i mentioned the book bill no tell me about your book <laughs> the big 50 available for pre-order on amazon.com the 50 greatest men and moments uh, that made the cincinnati reds uh, and w- anyway i'm going through we're doing final edits now getting it prepared for publication and I was going through and uh, editing the uh, part of the book about Eric Davis, actually, and uh, and that's the point I was going to make. He reminds me, only in this uh, sense of not being able to stay on the field, of Eric Davis. I'm afraid, and we went. I went back and, and did a lot of research on Davis, and especially his 1987 season when he was on the cover of every magazine. He was compared to Willie Mays every week. Uh, uh, but he just could that year was so brilliant. It was his best season, but he couldn't stay on the field at the end of the year. Uh, he got hurt out in uh, in Chicago, running into the brick wall out there, making a game-saving catch. And uh, and that's Billy Hamilton. He sort of goes all out. He's banging into walls. He, he gets on base, and he runs and runs and runs. And he's a slight, he's sort of a small guy, kind of a different uh, height than Eric Davis maybe, but similar body types in that they're really – wiry and uh, and athletic and well eric eric was a lot more muscular sure. than he is i mean he's he, he, you know he was a he was a dramatically well-built man and billy's just a slight guy i mean he's just a slight very fast guy yeah but uh both of them prone to injury and and uh 
you got to watch that comparison because there's really not a comparison as players. No, other than the fact, like you said, they both play center field and they both have trouble staying on the field. And people that don't remember Eric Davis, let me tell you something. Eric Davis was Billy Hamilton who could hit for power. Uh, I mean, he could do everything Billy Hamilton does. And could throw. He threw much better. Oh, yeah. He could throw and he could hit for power. Um Eric Davis was a, a once-in-a-generation talent, and if he could have just stayed on, I, I'm firmly convinced, especially after going back and researching and uh, into his career, because there's some things I'd sort of forgotten how great he was because you, you remember the way his career ended. But I'm firmly convinced that if he'd been able to play 155 games a year, he's an inner circle Hall of Famer. He's He is a, a Willie Mays-type Hall of Famer. I think he, well, was, he, was a, he would have been a multiple MVP, MVP I think. I mean, even even like you said, even in '87 when he he only played 129 games, he still had a 7.9 WAR. Yeah, I think he's one of, he ends up being one of the greatest players in baseball history. I really I really firmly believe that if he'd been able to stay on the field. The other comparison with with Billy is they both came up as shortstops. Yep, yep, both drafted as shortstops and uh, converted to center field, and you know. But again, I, Eric Davis can do could do everything that Billy. We're, we're amazed by what Billy Hamilton could do. Eric Davis could do all that too when he was young and healthy. Oh yeah, I, I mean, mean he could run. He, he, just a marvel defensively. He was jump leaping over fences to rob home runs every week. Crazy. Uh, okay, while we're on award season, they also announced the Silver Slugger Awards. Let's shift over to that, and the Reds got shut out. In the Silver Slugger Awards, and I've never really cared much about the Silver Slugger Awards. They're nice, you know. It's fun to uh, see. But them. again, I think we—I I do think we got hosed here. Completely robbed. Why don't you go ahead and talk about that? Well, I think what we did was we got caught in, in the in the landslide of Chicago, of, of of fan finosity, finosity or whatever uh, of the Chicago Cubs. Uh, you know, this is the year that the Cubs are going to win anything that they're. If a Cub is in the contention for an award, they're going to win it. And that's what happened here. Anthony uh, Anthony Rizzo had a he had a very good year for the for the Cubs. He did have a good year, an excellent year, but he didn't have the year Joey Votto did. No. And if this is about hitting and hitting alone, then there's no doubt he should have won this award. But he did. Hey, you're right. It really shouldn't have even been that close. Joey Votto had the best hitting season of any first baseman in the major leagues, in my opinion. Uh, and I think it's it, it's borne out by the uh, by the numbers. The WRC plus weighted runs created plus is a is a good one. Joey Votto top of the top of the stack. Actually, second place in the National League was not even Rizzo. Is Freddie Freeman of Atlanta? Um, weighted on base average four thirteen for Joey Votto. Um, again, Anthony Rizzo third in the National League behind Freddie Freeman. I think you got a good argument that Freeman and Votto both were were good better than Rizzo, and, and it was clear across the board. 326 average, 434 on base, 550 slugging. Joey Votto was better in every way. I mean, every one of those numbers are better than Rizzo's. Rizzo hit more, three more home runs than Votto, but even drove in fewer runs. I, there's really not a good argument to make for Rizzo as for, as a silver slugger. Other than he played for the Cubs. Other, other than he played for the Cubs. And... Um, and he did play well for the Cubs, and he's a sort of a great personality. And they had him mic'd up some in the playoffs, and he's a fun guy. And I, I, I'm a I'm an Anthony Rizzo fan, as much as a Reds fan can be a fan of a Cub player. But man, that's a again, nobody's going to cry for Joey Votto. But well, and, and you, when your team finishes, you know, at the bottom of the division, you're not going to win a whole hell of a lot of awards. Yeah, but come on, 
<laughs> yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not excusing it. I'm just explaining it. Yeah. Which will probably be the reason Mike Trout doesn't win the MVP in, in the American League. Oh man, if that doesn't happen, it's going to be. It should be like his fifth MVP, and he's only won one. Um, and he had, and he's had his best year since his second year in the big leagues. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's just. He's. He, you talk about an inner circle Hall of Fame guy. If he can keep it up, he's definitely. He's a. He's a generational talent. Um, the Silver Slugger Awards. Here, coaches and managers of major league teams vote for the players. I'm reading the uh, the, the guy, yeah. criteria and the guidelines. Vote for the players they feel are the best offensive producers at each position in the field. They base their selections on a combination of offensive statistics, including batting average, on-base percentage, and slugging percentage, all of which Votto was better than Rizzo. And here, here's, here's the kicker. As well as the coaches and managers' general impressions of a player's overall offensive value. So I don't know what kind of a nebulous uh, piece of nonsense that is. General, you know, impressions. That's you know what that is. Oh, That's on. the fudge factor. Yeah, vote for whoever you want. Forget the forget the numbers. Yeah, uh, there's just it's no argument you can make for Rizzo over Votto. There's none. Nope. Um, oh my goodness. Except he plays for the Cubs. Except he plays for the Cubs. And Joey Votto, thankfully, does not play for the Cubs. So that's. Again, Joey Bob doesn't get another trophy, another, uh, you know, something to put in his uh, in his home to display for everybody. Big deal. Nobody really cares, I guess. Nobody's going to cry for Votto. But, you know, if you're going to give out awards, let's give them out to the right people. Ugh. I, I concur. You know, and, and at least I didn't compare you. When I compared you to U.K. basketball fans, at least I didn't compare you to Chicago Cup fans. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'd much rather be known as a Kentucky basketball fan. Uh, than a Cubs fan. Oh, how, how? That's a question maybe for a full podcast. How obnoxious are Cubs fans going to be now that they've won a World Series? Oh, oh my, my goodness. goodness. It's going to be bad. I don't even want to think about it. And, and the bad thing is, you don't know how many they're going to win in a row. I know. They could. They're going to be good for a long time. Yeah. And, and I haven't looked at the uh, the standings lately, but I'm pretty sure I remember the Cubs are in the Reds division, aren't they? Unless they've realigned. Yeah, that's bad. That's <laughs> bad. Oh, goodness. All right, let's move on to a few just quickly. We can run through some of the transactions that have happened the last week. And if you got a quick take on any of them, feel free. Uh, Alfredo Simon, Ross Ollendorf, J.J. Hoover, three uh, pitchers who did not necessarily distinguish themselves with the Reds are all free agents. Now, thoughts about any of those? Uh, uh, of Simon, you know, Reba Durchie. Hoover, I feel bad for the guy, you know, and, and I'll be honest, I thought he'd be better for the Reds than, he, and I thought even this year he'd be better for the Reds than he, you know, the bottom fell out for him. And with him, you wonder whether a change of venue might help him. Uh, he seems like a good guy. He's, you know, he, he doesn't make excuses. He, you know, I like the guy, but he's 28 and he was no, he was not going to be in the plans here. And, you know, so Letting him walk is, is is a smart move. I wish him well. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I'd love to see him get it together and, and get back to the big league somewhere, but there's just no way they were going to bring him back. And and he was a guy that I thought, you know, they said he was going to be the closer. And I thought, well, you know, he's not a superstar, but I'm comfortable with him at the back of the bullpen. I, I was wrong about that, I guess. I don't know. what. There's got to be some answer physically or something as to how he just completely fell off. Well, you wonder how much of it's mental. Uh, you know, you start you start giving up big hits, and then your confidence 
takes a hit, and then you start giving up more big hits, and your confidence takes more of a hit, and you go out there thinking you're going to get hit, and you do, and then I just, you know, you, you never wonder. You know, I mean, you never know, but like I said, he always seemed like a good enough guy, and it seemed like a good guy when he was with the Reds, so I wish him well and wherever he, ends, he lands. Yeah, and uh, I'm with you, Alfredo Simon. They never should have been here last year anyway, so long. Ross Ollendorf is an interesting, uh, in, in some ways, capsule for, as a Red, this is sort of an uh, opinion that I've developed over the years. He was not good. He played one year here in Cincinnati. He was not good. There's no way to say he was any good. And people call him the awful names, and they say, oh, I'm glad this idiot's gone. Get rid of this guy. But, you know, this is a guy who came in and tried his best as a Red. He tried, you know, don't blame him that, the manager kept putting him in the eighth inning in close games. It's not his fault. You know, I, the Reds shouldn't have signed him probably, and they definitely shouldn't bring him back. He should be a free agent. And, but a guy like that, I wish him the best of luck. I think of a guy like uh, Corey Patterson back in the day that really, I was as guilty as anybody, really hammering that guy. But he never did anything other than play as hard as he could. You know, he didn't do well, but everyone wants to. Uh, I, I've gotten less. Uh, I'm I'm less apt these days to say get rid of that bum because it's a real guy who was trying the best he could. And same with Hoover. This guy was really giving everything he had for the Reds. It'd be like if they put me out there. You know, I would try as hard as I could, but I'm not going to do any good. I couldn't do good in the little league. So, so I wish guys like Olendorf and uh, and Hoover the best of luck. Uh, I'm glad they're not pitching for the Reds anymore because they're probably not capable major league pitchers at this point. But that doesn't mean they're a bad guy. Does that make sense? Any of that? Yeah, I agree with you, and I'm and I'm quick to to, to want to discard guys. But the, the thing that bothers me is is, and this is just a lack of civility in our society anymore. The name calling and all that stuff. If a guy's playing badly, that's all you have to say. You know, he's he's not getting anybody out. It's time for him to go. You don't need to calling names and all this stuff. You know, his family reads reads. You know, his family may read stuff online. You don't have to be disrespectful. You just have to say that the guy's not getting a job done. Exactly. I think we've been pretty good at, and, and our commenters even at Red Lake Nation have been pretty good over the years about we've, the, we've the ones on the ones on the website are much better than the ones on Facebook. Oh gosh, yeah, Facebook and and just about any other website. We've got a great community at RedLakeNation dot com, and that's because we've required civility as part of uh, what we Absolutely. do. Um, and so we, it's created a great community. Now, a couple other guys. Uh, Josh Smith uh, was uh, placed on waivers. The A's claimed him, so he's gone. Um, Avon De Jesus Jr. was outrighted to AAA. Um, I think uh, he's probably cleared waivers at this point, so uh, I thought he might get claimed by somebody. But he may or may not be back uh, next year. Uh, I don't have really much of an opinion on either of those guys. De Jesus nah. was a you know he was what he was, just a, a bench guy. Josh Smith, you know, good luck. <laughs> The uh, Jesus, you know, he had an OPS plus of sixty-seven this year. I would think that wouldn't be tough to replace. Yeah, yeah, really. And he's twenty-nine. Right. Yeah. So he, he's probably a guy that'll kick around for the the big leagues and make a the twenty-fifth man of a roster a few more years. But if you're arguing about the twenty-fifth the man on the roster, you're, you know, that's just not something to argue about. Uh, if you're arguing between anything between the twenty-first and the twenty-fifth man. The 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 Baron or Baron or non Yeah, I was getting into oh, okay to him next. Uh, well, let me just go ahead and say, yeah, a bunch of Reds minor leaguers were able to file for minor league free agencies, minor league free agency this year this week as well. 
Ernan Irabarin, the 32-year-old guy that uh, made his Reds debut late in the year and, and played well, along with uh, some guys that you all listeners have probably heard of. Kyle Waldrop played with the Reds some this year. Donald Lutz had been with the Reds a couple years oh. ago. And then a, a couple of these guys that signed at age 12 or something, Jorman Rodriguez and Juan Duran. All those guys are minor league free agents at this point. And, 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 and Hernan is, is the one that – I mean, he's an older guy. He's 32. But he, he won the he won I believe he won the the AAA batting title. Yeah. Um, I think he could have he could have been a, he could be a useful bench guy if he doesn't sign somewhere else. You know, bring him in as a non roster guy, give him a chance to make the team out of out of spring training. I think he could help the Reds on the bench. Uh, you know, even though he's thirty two, if he's just I mean, if you're not trying to build around him, I don't have a problem with an older guy on the bench. Well, he's an older guy who was a former top prospect. I mean, he was a big time prospect, and he also clearly can handle the bat. And so, a guy that can hit a little bit and uh, play play several positions defensively, yeah, he could he could help the team uh, in in a bench role. But I mean, you know, he's probably looking for a better opportunity. I mean, an older guy like that, you know. If you if you come to a team like the Reds with its rebuilding, they're going to want to play their young guys, you know. So you're not going to get any opportunity to be anything but a bench player. But he could help a good team. I mean, I could see him being on oh, the bench for so. a bit. I agree. Yeah. I, I think he could. And and he you know and he proved in AAA this year that he can hit. And he came up to the big leagues and you know he got a little bit of an opportunity and and and, and did well when he was given the opportunity. And that's what you have to do. You know, you have to grasp that. You have to take the Chris Sabo approach and. When the present, you know, when your opportunity presents itself, you grab it with both hands and shake it till it, you know, and don't let it go. Yeah, and and again, nobody's going to be shedding a tear for the fact that Reds have cut bait on Irabarn, if that's the way it happens. Uh, it'd been nice to have around, but again, we're talking a end of the bench type of guy. But he's a guy that could still, I think, and I hope he gets a chance because uh, Jason Linden, one of our editors at Red Leg Nation, he had a really good profile of Irabarn and uh, interviewed him and interviewed uh, some guys that's played. He's played for in the past, and really good piece over at uh, the Hardball Times about Irabarn, about the time that he came up to the big leagues. And he just he seems like a really good guy. Uh, Jason was really impressed with him, and so easy guy to root for. Hope hope he latches on somewhere, and I wouldn't mind seeing it be back here in Cincinnati. Are you always happy when these guys that, that played in the minor leagues for for quite a while? They, they they stick to it and they finally you know they get up and 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 give an opportunity and and, and that's kind of, it's always a good story. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, any thoughts on Norman Rodriguez? I can remember I can remember seeing him. I think it was in the Gulf Coast League in Sarasota. Now I'm not positive. It's like 22 years ago. Oh yeah, like a hundred years ago, <laughs> and he was the worst center fielder I'd ever seen in my life. You've not in seen one him. game. I saw three balls get hit over his head. Uh, you've not seen me play center field. Uh, you never got paid for it. <laughs> true, true. There's a reason. Uh, those are you know that was money that the Reds just threw out the window, and it, you know it was a there was a different organiz you know front office that signed those guys, and you know. They, I always question signing these guys. I think they were like 16 when they signed or something like that. Yes, 16. I think. You're throwing millions of dollars at these kids when they're 16 years old. And, of course, it's going to affect their work ethic. You know, these guys, and especially kids like this, that are coming from someplace where they have nothing. I mean, if you, you know, I don't know what their, you know, the income, but they're, they, they grew up without a whole lot, you know, to, to exist on. 
And all of a sudden, now they're millionaires. You know, where's, where's the, the drive? Where's the work ethic going to come from? With a lot of players, it's not going to be there. Neither one of these guys really ever became a good player, much less a, a really good player. I don't know a whole lot specifically about Rodriguez's work ethic or anything like that, but uh, he's a guy, he and Juan Duran both are two guys that I've disagreed pretty vehemently with our, our friend Doug Gray at RedsMinorLeagues.com. He's been high on those guys for a long time and, and still remains high. He had Jorman Rodriguez on his top prospect list this year uh, in the top 25 or something. Uh, you know, I've never been high on them at all they, they're they t- toolsy guys is what they always call them you know yeah they, they, to, and the reds used to have a fascination with, with these toolsy guys and i guess you the type of kids you could look sort of squint and say yeah i guess i can see how they could develop and rodriguez may end up being a a, a, a player at some point i don't know he's still relatively young but i've just never seen it uh he's missed all season basically with a with an injury this year and he's just never really put together a full season where I thought he was, this was a, a guy that's going to be a serious contributor to a major league club. So best of luck to him, but I don't, I don't see. And, and I want to clarify, I'm not, I wasn't specifically talking about either one of these guys in terms of work ethic. I was talking about in general, if you give a 16 year old kid millions of dollars, I, I think if you took a hundred of them, the ones that are going to work hard after getting the money are going to be, you know, in a, in a vast minority. Sure. Yeah. I know. I knew you weren't. That's the reason I cl- tried to clarify. I knew you weren't. Yeah. And I want to make clear that I wasn't talking about either one of these guys specifically. I, they may be, they may have been hardworking guys. I, I have no clue. Um, I can remember. And I, and I saw both of them play at different times in their minor league careers and neither one of them ever impressed me. Yeah. Uh, so, well, I know how I was at age 16, so, you know, it's <laughs> I can't imagine what I would be like if somebody handed me that much money. I would hope that I'd be uh, even more focused, but, yeah, you know, that's a lot of money at a young age. So they may, they may or may not be gone. All those guys, Waldrop, Lutz, Rodriguez, uh, Airbarn, any of those guys, uh, Jermaine Curtis, another guy that played well at AAA this year that's sort of an older guy, they're all minor league free agents. They could still re-sign with the Reds, you know, and any or all of those guys could be back. We'll see. I I wouldn't mind seeing certainly uh, Ernan Iribaran back with the Reds. So uh, okay, we've sort of beaten this one to death. But there was uh, there was one other topic you wanted to discuss, I believe, Bill, and I think it's a pretty good two, question. Two things. two things. One is we want to express our condolences to the family of Russ Nixon, uh, who passed away this week. Former Reds manager Russ Nixon, absolutely yes. Your uh, alumni of Western Hills High School. Oh, is that which right? Had- Yes, which has you know so many famous alumni among them Pete Rose and Bill Lack, uh, Don Zimmer, I think. Uh, Don Donnie Zimmer, uh, the guy that used to be the won the world championship in Kansas City, Dick Hauser. Oh, really, Dick Hauser? I think Jim Fr- Dick Hauser went to West High. Jack Haxell Reynolds played for the <laughs> played for the Rams, went to the Super Bowl. Andy Williams, Doris Day went there for a short period of time. Doris Day. Doris Day. And then she went to the girls' high school. One of your, one of your, uh, one of your old go- girlfriends, Bill? Uh, I dated her older <laughs> sister. <Okay>. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, our thoughts and prayers go out to the Nixon family. Absolutely. Uh, you know, in and, and, and some of my formative years as a Reds fan, he was at the helm some of those bad years. But Well, he was the manager of the only team that lost 100 games. Yeah, but uh, – but nobody really had a bad word to say about Russ Nixon, as far as I can no. tell. I mean, and he was a long time 
uh, Reds coach and manager. Yeah. And if I remember right, he was also in ball four. Or no, that was Ron Plaza I'm thinking of. Different Ron. You've always got a good uh, ball four uh, anecdote at the ready. I need to reread that. As a matter of fact, when I was in Milwaukee, I don't know if I told this story, when I was in Milwaukee, for the you know when I went up and saw the Reds play up there, yeah, I bought a Seattle Pilots hat. They have one shelf of Seattle Pilots stuff in their team store. Nice, nice. <laughs> you need to get uh, Bouton to sign that. Yeah, that would be. Now there's somebody we ought to get on a podcast. Oh my goodness, I can imagine he would be. Uh, <laughs> uh, that book is is it's laugh out loud funny. It's great. It's, yes, it, it is. It, it still holds up well to this day. If you've not read it, go read Ball Four. I used to try to read it. <clears throat> excuse me, every year. Uh, around spring training. Uh, me too. So, And I haven't done it in a number of years, so I think it may be time. Yeah, it might be time to read that again. Uh, although this uh, this spring training, you're going to have another book to read, Bill Lack. The Big 50, now available for pre-order at all fine books, online booksellers. Um, don't, go to, don't go to the Canadian Amazon, though, like I did, because you'll get somebody else's name on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bill had some trouble finding it. I was like, why are you on the Canadian Amazon.com? <laughs> Uh, and and you know, it's because you know that that's I, I'm always looking for cold weather, so I'm up in Canada. So, <laughs> right. Speaking of managers, you had another question about. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that I saw this in the news in the last couple of days that our, our friends up in Milwaukee, which was a wonderful place to visit. Thank you, fans of Milwaukee, for your courtesy and friend, friendship and friend and, 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 and when we were up there. Um, but they. Extended their manager, Craig Council, through 2020 this week. And as two years as manager of the Brewers, he's got a 448 win percentage in, in almost 300 games. And he's finished fourth twice. Yeah. I, 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 he did improve this year. His winning percentage went from 445 to 451. So maybe by 2020 it'll be over 500. I I, I can't imagine tying a guy up for for this many years when he's a not a big name. He he doesn't have a proven track record of winning anywhere. I I I'm I'm just stumped. And you said you had an idea when we talked about this before we went on the air. I do have an idea. I've argued for a while that we shouldn't judge Brian Price, our intrepid Reds manager, solely on his. Uh, win-loss record because there's so many things that are going on with the organization that it's not entirely his fault. With Craig Counts, has been there for uh, almost almost two full years. He came in after uh, 20 games or something in the 2015 season, and he's not distinguished himself. The Brewers have been bad the last two years. Uh, I would say, number one, it's kind of hard to pin that on Craig Council because they're I- rebuilding. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like the Reds now, uh, and so I, just like I didn't have a problem with the Reds keeping Brian Price around for the upcoming season, uh, that, that's the first thing. You know, it's not. But would you have extended Brian Price through twenty twenty? Right. Well, that's that's where I'm going. Okay. That's right. No, I would not have. I would not have. Um, the Brewers are now in the hands of he's this thirty uh, two year old or something. He's one of these uh, hot shot uh, math whiz types, baseball prospectus types. They've actually they actually hired a young, really uh, uh, analytically minded general manager. And his name's escaping me right now. But before this uh, past season, they they hired him, and just a just a great hire by all accounts. 
And here's my guess. Uh, nobody would have called Clint Hurdle for the Pirates, for example. Nobody would have called him an enlightened manager. And frankly, he was not a good manager, in my opinion, at all. Until he, But he was open-minded enough with the Pirates to say, hey, okay, you want to do these uh, shifts? All right, I'll go along with it. you got these uh, nerds that want to tell me the things that are going to give us a, a, an advantage? Okay, I can deal with it. My guess is they got in there, and Craig Council, he's sort of a younger guy, has been open-minded to what the team wants to do on the field. Maybe they're maybe they we don't watch the Brewers day to day. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if they're they're sacrifice bunting all the time, things like that. My guess is the new GM got in. He was the council showed that he was open-minded and willing to listen to their nerds uh, that are tell just like Clint Hurdle did with the Pirates. And Again, that doesn't necessarily give you a reason to go ahead and lock him up. It's not like there's all kinds of people beating down their door trying to get Craig Council. But I'm guessing that the, that the new guy that came in after he didn't hire Council originally, Council's done uh, done enough to show that he's going to be open minded in terms of moving the Brewers in an analytical direction. That uh, it made sense to keep him here. He's a Brewers player. He's popular uh, because of his time with the Brewers. He played on a couple of those t- Brewers teams. One uh, went to the National League Championship Series, and then. Uh, they had another one that made the playoffs. I think he was a member of both those teams, so he's a popular guy. I had a goofy batting stance when he played. My guess is he's proven to be open-minded, and as we've seen, finding a, a manager that's open-minded, even this day and age, still not very many. I think Brian Price is uh, is the rule uh, rather than the exception. So there's my guess. It still doesn't necessarily explain why they felt like they had to go ahead and lock him up for so many years. Right. And, and I have no problem with them keeping him. I'm reading a little bit about Stearns, who that's the guy's name that, that they, they hired, David Stearns. Uh, and he's like 30 or 31. He's a Harvard grad, worked yeah. in the commissioner's office, worked in Cleveland, and then went to uh, Houston before he went to Milwaukee. I have no problem with them keeping him. Just like I don't have a problem with keeping, you know, keeping Price for another year or whatever. But to extend a guy with a three years, wow, that's spending somebody else's money pretty, pretty freely. How much money was it though? That's another thing. I, I, I don't know, yeah. I, and, and I haven't read any, and I and I don't remember reading it. Let me let me see if I can find that information. You got to have a manager each of the next three years. Uh, if if you're satisfied, this is a guy. Why not go ahead and. You know, if it's not some exorbitant amount, I can't imagine council as breaking the bank in terms of what he's able to earn. So, I don't know. I would not have given Brian Price three years because while I don't think that it's Brian Price's fault we are where we are, and I do think he's maybe a tiny bit more open-minded than he's given credit for, I wouldn't call Brian Price an analytic, uh, analytically focused manager, and so I, I wouldn't have. I'm glad they didn't fire him, but I wouldn't have signed Stearns him. praised his positive culture, top-to-bottom chemistry, uh, what he does behind closed doors when he's managing the clubhouse, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, the Dusty Baker stuff. Yeah, the Dusty Baker stuff. And, and I don't, I haven't found anything yet that tells me how much they increased to a three-year extension. This is with ESPN. None of, none of them seem to quote money. I haven't seen anything about money. Yeah. I just—it just amazed me that you know a mediocre, a mediocre manager, and that's—and the only way you can judge a manager from the outside is by his record. Well, I, I don't know that I'd say a mediocre manager as much as I'd say a manager who has had mediocre results. On, a a on mediocre record. Okay, that's okay. Okay, Mister Lawyer, if you want to turn it around. <laughs> um, 
but the uh, a three year extension to me, I just went really. I, you know, I'm an old guy. I remember Walt Alston worked twenty some years on a, on one year contracts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a different world. I understand that. I, you know, I'm not. You know, I'm not. You know, shaking my cane at the world, but I was just. I was just thought it was an interesting thing that the Brewers did, I, and I, and I couldn't figure out a reason why you'd have extended somebody three years. That hasn't that doesn't have a track record of, of of success. Well, that's that may just very well be uh, another indication of what we what we say often, which is that the Brewers have a whole lot more information at their disposal than we do. Oh yeah. So that, that there's there must be something there. And well, uh, and they're they're actually, and I just read this in, this in that article that I was reading. They're going they're doing the same thing the Reds do. They're doing a transformation in their front office where one guy's staying in the organization, but this other guy's taking over as the GM. Yeah. So they're kind of doing the same thing the Reds are doing in the front office. You know, they've got a change in, in a changing of the guard there also. Well, I'm I'm worried if they're being run well now because this this division is not getting any easier for our Cincinnati Reds. Just not getting any easier. No, and it's interesting that the that the uh, Pirates apparently made it known that McCutcheon is on the trading block. Uh, go look at his numbers. He had a, I just can't believe what a bad year he had. He had a terrible year. Absolutely horrible year. Yeah. So, but, but i tell you what, I'd like to get him out of the division because he kills the Reds. Yeah. He's still Andrew McCutcheon and I'm, I'm, I'm a big Andrew McCutcheon fan. Yeah. I'd love it. He was one of the, uh, one of the iron gloves on, on, uh, fan grass. Yeah. Get him over and, to the American league. That's fine by and me. Historically, he's a great center fielder. Yeah. I, I don't know what went on with him this year. Maybe he shouldn't have cut his hair. That's what the problem is. Yeah, cut off dreads. <laughs> I, heard, I heard you were going to wear dreads. I'm thinking about it. Uh, I'm thinking dreads. about it. Yeah, yeah. Dreads. I don't have enough hair to go dreads. Dreads for the reds. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that's the new movement. That's the new movement. <laughs> dreads for the reds. What else you got for us today, Bill? That's all I got, man. All right. Well, appreciate all of you listening. This is Red Leg Nation Radio, episode number 155. You can uh, subscribe to us via whatever your podcast device is, and you can also go to iTunes and find us. Search for Red Leg Nation Radio. As always, if you go to Red Leg, look for Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. helps other people find us, and I do always appreciate that. Uh, there have been some very kind reviews on there, and I thank you all for that. You can uh, follow what we do every single day at RedLegNation.com. For more than a decade, been been following these Reds and writing about them and analyzing the Reds' uh, ins and outs, and uh, still doing that every single day at RedLegNation.com. Follow, uh, follow us on Twitter at RedLegNation. I'm at Dotson C. Uh, at Bill Redleg in, although I, I gotta get, get him back on Twitter. Uh, but you can follow all of us if you want to. And I think that about covers it, Bill. Appreciate you joining me again, buddy. Thanks, man. Always a good time for Bill. Like this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone.